Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined tonight by Pale Dragon. What's up, ED? Uh, hey, well, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I uh, had PTO late last week, so you can imagine Monday after a long weekend, but it was actually pretty good. <laughs> nice. So, PD, so you wanted to kind of start off with a kind of a fun topic for me. So, just to just give the backstory real fast. After the Blue Jackets, kind of in my mind, improbable win on Saturday against the Hurricanes, mainly because I didn't see the game, and I thought they had lost it overtime. And then I realized by uh, Ryan Real's tweet, they actually won, and I had to look into see how that mm-hmm. all played out. But basically, I I uh, shared an article, because I just remember the title of the article that I wrote literally two years ago this time, in March 2019, I put the title was basically... Here the Blue Jackets go again, sucking me back in, sucking us back in. And I was actually reading the article, and I remembered my thinking was, of course, that you know I thought the Jackets were kind of falling out of it, and then all of a sudden they get on a roll as they tend to do, and that's why you know even this past season, or I should say this past year, I believe I said something like, "I can't count this team out ever." I've learned my lesson multiple times, mm-hmm. and the same thing was kind of happening again this year. I was like, "Okay, shortened season." Tortorella, whatever, roster, weird lineups, all this stuff. I said, okay, this team, Blackhawks are rolling. But sure enough, you know, you, you get you get a random win once and then you do it again twice at a place like Carolina. And I, and I like wins. I, I'm not fooling. I'm not fooled. I, I know the team's still flawed. I know they're not really a cup contender, but the wins excite me. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. This team might be getting right. And, uh, it was just a lot of parallels between that article two years ago and right now. I even wrote about the fact that people thought Tortorella should be on the hot seat and all that. So, PD, <laughs> uh, do you have the same sentiment? Is it kind of like, even though we're not fooled by what this team is, ultimately, it's kind of like, okay, two straight wins in Carolina, a chance to win three in a row tonight? Yeah, it, it does feel like maybe the team is turning a corner and... It does seem like often this happens in March <laughs> with this team. Yep. Now, obviously, yep. this is a different ki- kind of March because there's still a-, a little bit more of the season to go than there is uh, usually at this time of year. But 
yeah, it's it's funny how you can never count them out, and you know we're not that far removed from you know Yarmo having to publicly defend Tortorella, and you know believe that this team had this kind of run in them. Um, you know, even just a week ago, we're talking about you know possible trades that could be made uh, if the team was a seller, and even I was definitely starting to mentally prepare myself for that for you know longtime players like Savard and Felino being dealt you know and thinking like oh but that you know that makes sense for this team that's that's probably the right approach and thinking like yeah it's going to be an uphill battle to get into the playoffs and so they need to start thinking about that possibility but you know here it is chicago has lost something like seven in a row and columbus is on a five game point streak now all those games have gone over time but here it is coming into today the Blue Jackets were in a playoff position <laughs> and, uh, you know, against all odds. And I don't have a problem with it because I want this team to do well. I feel I feel validated because the way they've played against Carolina so far in this pseudo playoff series is how I knew this team was capable of playing. And it's just been yeah. baffling all season. Like, where was this? Why couldn't they be playing like this more often? Um, now, and we don't know, you know, can they sustain this for another month and a half or whatever? I don't know. Um, they still have a lot of game, you know, six games against Tampa coming up and, you know, yeah. more games against Carolina, against Florida. Um, so there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's signs of encouragement, signs that things are starting to click with this team. You know, what struck me in these two games against Carolina were that they were definitely playing more like they played last year when they mm-hmm. started having their success. Uh, they were playing a, a super physical game. They threw like 30 plus hits on Thursday against Carolina. You know, they just they weren't getting pushed around, which has been an issue this season. There have been a lot of games where they got pushed around by other teams. And that's just that's not Blue Jackets hockey. Um, and you know, they were limiting quality chances for their teams. The goalies made some great saves, both Corpusalo and Merzlikens, you know, and then they weren't scoring a lot of goals, but they got timely goals. So yeah, it's we've been waiting for this all year for them to put it together in consecutive games. So here now they do have, you know, two consecutive wins against the same team for the first time all season. Um, and, and hopefully can, you know. We said last week that we wanted to get, you know, they needed to get six points out of these four games against Carolina and they've got four in the bank. So they just need to, you know, two overtime losses in Columbus or just one win out of these two games. And they will have achieved that. Yeah, I think at this point you won first two in Carolina. It would feel kind of, I think, disappointing if they didn't at least get uh, one more win and hopefully even a win and a point, whatever against the hurricanes. And, you know, as you said too, I think last week that it seems like this team plays up or down to their competition. So naturally they've played up to their competition the last couple of games. And coincidentally enough, I was on the preview for this game on Monday night and the jackets have won every game against Carolina, I believe three, two. And outside of one loss, the other two were kind of like high scoring blowouts or high scoring games anyway. But uh, another thing, too, was on paper, Seeds pointed this out to us that statistically the, st- the, the Hurricanes blow the Jackets away in almost every op- every category. Oh, yeah. Uh, power play are the best in the league, and they were, they've been contained one out of five so far, at least 
prior to Monday's game. So, uh, like you said, Jackets kind of seem to be playing more like last year. It doesn't hurt that they finally got some bounces to go their way. You know, whether it's even the overtime yeah. review. And I, I realized looking back at that, I went back to look at that since I didn't see it at the time that it was not even a Tortorella challenge. It was a league review. Right. So I think it was I'm, overtime all the, all the... Yeah. So yeah. luckily that played out and not I only... have to be started by the league. And, yeah. Yeah. Not only that they did it to begin with, but they got the call right. It was pretty obvious. It wasn't like there was any debate, but we've seen that hurt Columbus in the past. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, the league didn't screw it up this time, which was good. Although I, I will have to... I have to be consistent about this that I still feel like uh, offsides that happen that far in advance of the goal actually going yeah. in, yeah. that that shouldn't that sh- there should be a time limit. <laughs> That's at, at some point, the offsides doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, it's um, a good point. Yeah, but 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 it is the, the rule is what it is, and I'll happily take it. And so yeah, that <laughs> and and yeah, if it was a little bit of justice for that earlier. You know, that first game kind of evens Carolina, out. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Just to, to mention real fast, so the, I was looking at it up real fast. The Blackhawks have lost four in a row, but they're also they were also playing Tampa. So of course, we talked about Columbus kind of playing up or down to their competition. They have Detroit following these next two games against Carolina, or you know, once people hear this, one more game against Carolina, and then they have Tampa too. So it's like I hope that trend continues, but I hope they beat Detroit, at least whatever they're the split or three out of four or whatever. They're going to have to just keep banking points because they're on the right side of it for now, but there's still a lot of time to go. And, you know, it's between them and Chicago unless unless they can get closer to Carolina because if they win two more games. They're like six points behind Carolina all of a sudden. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't see them necessarily catching. I don't either. Any of those top yeah. three teams in the division. Um, Fourth or bust. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the Jackets basically. They basically control their destiny at this point. You know, if as if they can, you know, Keep stay ahead of Chicago. You know Dallas still has the games in hand, but they're not. They haven't really seized the opportunity yet, and they've got they've got an issue with, you know, having so little rest because they have to cram in all these extra games, and they're dealing with some injuries to key players. So, um, you know, I don't have a lot of faith in Dallas being able to catch up. But Columbus, if they can keep playing like they've been playing and getting these kind of results, um, you know, yeah, they, they can get in. And you know, some people have said, well, you know is this team built for a deep playoff run? You know, can they win a series against Tampa or Florida or Carolina? And I understand the skepticism because uh, this is still a pretty flawed team in, in a lot of areas. Um, but in order to get into the playoffs because of what their schedule is towards the end, they're going to have to win games against Tampa and Florida teams, and Carolina. Yeah. So I feel like, if they show that they're able to do that, then we'll maybe feel a little bit better about them being able to continue doing that into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of wrote the same thing in my preview. I said, it's not the playoffs, but it feels like playoffs. And these are mm-hmm. playoff games for Columbus right now. So they're going to have to beat these teams. And they'll see them again soon if they make the playoffs. So it's kind of interesting. It's yeah, a test. And I, and, I think that, and I think that is something that has, has helped them in the past where they've yeah. had to win a lot of games down the stretch. And that has helped them then in the postseason. Um, certainly, I think the fact that in 2019, where Tampa had you know locked their position in so early and they were just coasting mm-hmm. towards the end, whereas the Jackets were on that mad dash just to get into the playoffs. And so I think they were already in playoff mode and they were in the right mindset then going into that series. 
uh, as opposed to like 2017, where the Jackets had lo- you know locked it up in mid March, their you know spot in the playoffs, and it was hard hard for them to flip that switch. Also, they had you know been a few years since they've been in the playoffs, so it was just a whole whole different thing. But this is a team that has been in this situation for so long with this these core players. They know what it takes to get into the playoffs, and yeah they they know how how to get up for a playoff series as we've seen it would be interesting what yarmo does at the trade deadline depending on where this team is because if they're right where they are basically within striking distance either way it's kind of like do you still not sell but trade certain guys like whether it's fully i I almost don't think you trade felino at that point but a savard or i don't think you're trading max domi but yeah so here i'm glad you brought this up because i do want to talk about this i yeah, it's interesting how this how this changes the calculus. I first of all, I, I don't think the Jackets are gonna be buyers in any form, just because I don't I don't think they have the pieces to add something meaningful. And I so I don't think there's anything anyone out there that is going to help the team in the way that they really need help, which let's face it, at this point is just like, do you have some amazing center? And that's What's That's, PLD doing? No one's going to be giving that up at this point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, so I don't think they're going to be adding anything. Now, I do think that there are players that they can move without derailing their playoff run. Right, um, yep. So, specifically, Savard and Delzato, you know, neither of them is really adding much positive at this point. And based on what we've seen from... Gabriel Carlson and Andrew Peak, like I think we can trade those veterans and bring in those young guys and not lose much production from the blue line. Um, and then on the forward ranks, um, you know, I, I would maybe like to see Riley Nash be on the move. Now, I don't think he would bring in a great return, but if you could get, say, a, a fourth or fifth round pick for Riley Nash, like do it because uh in terms of that like fourth line center role uh i really liked what i've seen from ryan mckinnis so far now you know just two games against carolina but that fourth line of mckinnis stefan mateau and eric robinson was a really tremendous energy line and it's the kind of energy line that like torts likes to use now he didn't overuse them they're they're averaging like nine minutes a game or something but they had really good possession numbers um, despite being deployed in a you know defensive checking line role, um, so you know leave those guys in the lineup, um, and you know McKinnis can play the Nash role essentially while being younger and cheaper. Um, so if you can get a little something for Nash, fine. And again, I'm not expecting a lot in return for Savard, Delzato, and Nash, but if you're collecting you know three or four extra draft picks out of that, like that's there's either either picks that can become players that replenish the pipeline, or those are pieces that we can throw in for trades that we're making this summer. You know, it's just additional right. capital that the team doesn't currently have. And we've got internal options to replace those players that can still contribute down the stretch without costing us a playoff position. Yeah, I still want to see the younger guys play if possible and see what they're made of. I mean, because I want the team to make the playoffs too, even though we know what's a likely result but i still want to see them succeed but also play the young guys maybe that jolts them maybe we realize they're not they could be traded or maybe they figure out hey we like these guys we're going to use these guys next year so interesting either way 
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts sticking with the roster a little bit. So interesting back and forth with the taxi squad. First, Mikhail Grigorenko was sent to the taxi squad yesterday. He's back up today. Alexander Texier, who was out due to COVID protocols, was taken off that list and sent to the taxi squad over the weekend. So PD, what do you what do we what do we make of this? Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, a roller coaster week for Mikhail Grigorenko. I, I feel kind of bad for him. So he was put on waivers. He cleared waivers, which I think that that's not a good sign for the Jackets maybe trading him because, you know, 30 teams had, it out, had a chance to get him without giving anything up, and they didn't right. take a chance. So, right. um, so then he got sent to the taxi squad, but then activated off of it because of an illness to Texier and an injury to Emil Bemstrom. And he was slated to play on Thursday against Carolina, but then got sick shortly before the game. So Kevin Stenland went back in. Yep. And then Kevin Stenland played so well uh, in that series that, you know, he's not coming out. So Greg Renko back on the taxi squad. And I, and then here, you know, activated for tonight's game, but didn't play. And I'm not really sure what exactly was going on there. Um, now, I, I have to say, though, uh, I you know wouldn't mind seeing Rickarenko play again, but uh, Kevin Stenland did not deserve to get scratched, and I don't know what the team was thinking that way. Uh, his his underlying numbers have been very good all season. You, you can just tell that he he's a good player. He brings a spark to the team, um, and I'm glad that he made the most of his new opportunity. Um, so here he went from nearly being scratched to now he's the first line center <laughs> at the moment. Uh, he's playing between line A and Bjorkstrand, but, and he's been playing well between line A and Bjorkstrand. So uh, I hope he keeps that up. Uh, so that was just a really weird scenario for him. Um, it's, it's an unfortunate uh, thing for Gregorenko, but um, you know, it's hard to see where he fits in with this team right now. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it torches his head, you know, we need to find a top six role for him. And I've said, well, just put him in the top six, but you know, at this point, uh, with the current top six they have, so I said, you know, Line A, Stenland, Bjorkstrand is one line, 
and Domi, Roslevic, Atkinson is the other line. Like those should be our top two lines. And I would say that, yeah, that's, those do seem like our best six forwards at this point. And I don't, I don't want to knock any of those guys down to make room for Grigorenko, who I think Grigorenko has been better than what the coaches feel like, but um, he's not necessarily a, a long-term option for this team. Um, and I, it's not clear that he's an obvious upgrade over some of those guys that have been playing. Um, it's just odd that when some of those guys weren't playing well, that Greg Aramco wasn't getting more of a chance to make a mark himself. I mean, heck he played some center in Russia, so I don't know why he didn't get a look at center with <laughs> all the shuffling that's been happening at that position. I would have rather seen him at center than Felino, for example, but yeah. Uh, and then Texier, that's uh interesting situation with him that here he's, you know, losing a roster spot because of illness and because of guys playing well, like Mateo and McKinnis that decided to put him on the taxi squad. Now, even before he got sick, I had been saying in some of our Slack chats that maybe it was worth sitting Texier for a game or two, or maybe sending him down to Cleveland because, yeah. uh, you know, as great as he was in January, he's been pretty invisible since then. He's only had one point in his last 16 games only 16 shots on goal in those 16 games. So, you know, I still have high hopes for him long-term. I think he's still a big part of the future of this team. But at the moment, you know, he's just not doing enough. And, you know, I don't know. I'm not saying that Mateo and McInnes are going to continue being the spark for the rest of the season. But at the moment, they're the hot hands. So absolutely keep playing them. And if that means sitting Texier for a week or two, uh, you know, I don't think it's necessarily costing the team that much short term. And I think he'll get back in the lineup at some point. And I think the time off will do him good. It'll rest him up. It'll give him a chance to see the game from a different angle, do some work with the coaches. You know, I'm not worried long term about that. Uh, it was just a little just interesting to see it happen. Yeah. In fact, per Mark Scheich's tweet early Monday, he, you know, towards him he was saying towards was saying that Texas would have to just wait to get his turn back in the lineup said he obviously wasn't playing well McKinnis Mateau like you said were and they're going with the same lineup which kind of makes sense I guess if it's rolling keep doing it stick with Carol what works yeah right exactly Carolina might figure it out but make them figure it out you've gotten their number so far a little bit so see if it keeps rolling and I know that they're already trailing in this game so far so we'll know of course yeah when people are listening they'll know what the hell has happened but hopefully the jackets will be able to uh keep sucking me back in i want to see uh, <laughs> exactly i want to exactly. i want to yeah, feel yeah. i want to i want to feel excited you know i get excited after even when they were playing detroit a few weeks ago and they won four one easily i said oh i'm excited now even though it's detroit yeah it's it, it's it's good to see the jackets win even if it's an ugly win it's good to get two points however they get it obviously it's better if they win in a way that is you know, exciting where they're scoring lots of goals or they're dominating the other team, you know, um, which, you know, hey, you know, if they get an overtime goal from Seth Jones like they did on Thursday, you know, that's an, an overtime win is exciting, you know. And, and frankly, that was a game that the Jackets, they deserved to win that game for how well they played for much of it on Thursday. Yeah. And yeah, they, they deserved the, you know, at least a point that they would have gotten on Saturday, you know, for the way that they played. So, uh, you know, and, and it's not a, I get that a high scoring game is more entertaining to watch. And sometimes the way that torts hockey just drags down the pace of the game and limits the number of shots that that can be 
frustrating to watch and can be boring to watch at times. But I don't necessarily think that the Thursday and Saturday games were boring because I thought it was good defensive play. So if you like hits in hockey, there were lots of hits. There were lots of, you know, block shots and steals and things like that that are still, uh, you know, event hockey without being, you know, shots on net. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. The UVA of hockey, basically. But if it wins, I'm not going to worry. But of course, we want to see more of that. But yeah, I agree. Sure, high scoring is fun, but I'd rather defense look better. I'd rather goaltending look good and get the clutch goals when you can. But yeah, Seth Jones has finally turned it on as well. And I don't think any of us would be surprised about that. But luckily, he is starting around in the shape as he always does. Absolutely. And it was really great to see. And I feel like the team really feeds off of that because, you know, he's such a leader of the team. And I think he's really both well liked and well respected on the team. And, uh, I mean, I just love the reaction from Jack Rosalvik when Jones scored, scored his overtime winner. Like you tell the team was really thrilled for him. And so I think, yeah, him playing well, you know, it, it helps on the, on the ice just because he's, you know, he needs to be the best player on the ice. But I think it also gave the team uh, a jolt, which is good. Uh, you know, we've mentioned Max Domi. I think it, it's yeah, worth giving him a shout out because his game, I think, has finally turned around. Um, Agreed. I think, you know, having him, playing with Roslevic and Atkinson, um, just like Roslevic got Atkinson going. I think the two of them are now getting Domi going. Um, I, what I like about the way he's playing is there's no hesitation. You know, he, he plays the game fast. You know, he's not reckless with his passes or shots, but he, he makes them quickly and on the mark. And I think he's starting to finally get his confidence back. And that's really good to see because we really need to you know, given what it cost us, we need to get production out of him. And I was not, unlike some, I was not throwing in the towel on Domi. I was not saying, oh, well, we better trade him now. And get, no, like, that was going to be trading low. That's a bad idea. Don't trade him now. Like, let's keep him. Let's go into next season. Let's see what the scheme is like next season. Let's see what, what happens with a real full training camp. But I think he's starting to get comfortable uh just being part of this team, just being part of this organization, being in the city. Agreed. Um, you know, and I think it, you know, it was th- bounces weren't going his way and that was starting to eat away at his confidence. And then he was, you know, we've seen this so many times with so many players that they start gripping the stick a little bit tighter and, you know, that doesn't help them play better. And now the bounces are going his way. He's getting that confidence. He's playing the way that he's supposed to play. Um, and, and that, and that's a good sign going forward. Yeah, prior to the last game, he had a bit of a point streak happening. And just, just as we were talking about him, Mark Scheich had a tweet saying, Max Domi is doing everything he can to get under the skin of Martin Nikas. Watch this as the night goes on. And we've seen that at least. So, uh, yeah. well, just and, be... and, that's, and even Torts has said that that's an important part of Domi's game is getting under the skin of the other team. And we didn't see a lot of that in the early part of the season either. So, you know, if, if he's doing that, then, uh, you know, I think that his game is working. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, he was my Monday player to watch, and uh, I thought, you know, he's got some points finally after a nine-game streak without a point. I said, you know, it looks like he's maybe getting comfortable, which is obviously important, as we were just alluding to. And I don't think, I never really thought, I mean, who knows, but I didn't I didn't think he'd be traded, but I also didn't think he should be because, like you said, we need to let him have a chance to really get comfortable and get his game going, find his game. So if he's playing as at the high level that he can, then that it's only going to help this team, and we'll see going forward. But so far, so good. 
hopefully they'll continue that trend here as this podcast plays out and this game plays out. Yeah, so I had w- one final thought, uh, not hockey-related, but just wanted to uh, give a shout-out to March Madness. I This is the greatest event in sports, especially the first weekend. Uh, I, I didn't realize just how much I missed it. I didn't watch a lot of college basketball this year, but um, you know, for the last four days I've been glued to the screen. Uh, you know, love the upsets, love the close games. Uh, didn't didn't love Ohio State getting upset uh, in its two fifteen upset, but uh, <laughs> besides that, though, uh, you know, it was an objectively great moment in the tournament. You know, people love those upsets. I love seeing teams like Loyola Chicago making a run. Uh, you know, so it's. It's just it's so good to have this tournament back now. Um, you know, unfortunate to see you know one team have to leave with COVID uh, in VCU. Uh, also, very frustrating to see the the way that the women's tournament bubble is not getting some of the same amenities as the men's tournament, and that's uh, a real embarrassment for the NCAA and something that should have been easily avoided. Um, so, hopefully, that's something that can be rectified not just this year, but in future years uh, that they have more awareness of the disparities between the men's and women's tournament. And they work to correct that because those, those athletes uh, on the women's side, uh, they work just as hard as the men uh, and they put on a great product as well. And um, you know, they deserve to be treated in the same way. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, again, shout out March Madness. I took off Thursday, Friday, and then realized it didn't really matter. But <laughs> I was like, oh, the tournament starts Friday, technically. Well, it started Thursday with the first four, but it, whatever. It was fun. Uh, yeah, VCU's down the street from me. They were, they were, of course, out. And I watched Oregon obliterate Iowa. So I was like, well, that's still fun. I don't know if you're, if you're kind of uh, hoping for the Big Ten to have a good run. I actually like seeing <laughs> all those teams kind of lose. I, I kind of yeah. want to see Michigan lose. Well, so, yeah, I always – I like to pick Big Ten teams to do well. I like to root for the conference to do well, with the exception of Michigan. I will ne- never sure. root for Michigan to do well. But the other teams uh, I wanted to see do well. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of disappointing that the uh, the things have not gone well for the Big Ten so far. I do think – I don't think the conference was overrated necessarily. I do think it was a matter that they maybe beat up on each other a little too much. I And I think in the case of Ohio State with Oral Roberts, I think that – Oral Roberts was maybe under yeah, Florida too. Yeah. You know, I think they, they showed they've got those two really good players and uh, they probably should have been better than a 15 seed, but uh, you know, Oh, well it is what it is. Uh, disappointing for Iowa state, but they'll bounce back next year. And um, you know, it's, I'm, I've still got, there's still a lot of good teams in the tournament. I think there's still going to be some good games in the subsequent weekends. I'm excited to watch that this year. Not only did I do my bracket, but I did a bracket for my dog where I had him, you know, pick pieces of food and pick the games that way. And uh, last last I checked late yesterday, uh, he and I were tied. <laughs> and, <laughs> and not only were we tied, we were also leading or near leading each of the groups that we were in. So uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm about to least, say the same thing. It, it was at least entertaining. So I'll take it. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And, you know. I'm not really surprised. Uh, I like UVA also, but I'm not really surprised that they lost just because they've been iffy to me all season anyway. And whatever, Ohio was better that day. And I think they're losing as we speak during this pod. But 
yeah, I'm all about the upsets. I love the fact that Loyola beat Illinois. That was awesome because I know Loyola yeah. had that Final Four run a few years ago. So as improbable as this tournament always is, and I think is especially this year, I still think Gonzaga, and at least in my final, I had Gonzaga and Baylor. I think Gonzaga, mm-hmm. we'll see if they can get upset along the way, but so far they're just kind of rolling along. But I wouldn't hate it if, you know, unless I can't, yeah, if I, I can still I, win, I want to win. But Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for Gonzaga since their first Cinderella run back in the late nineties. And uh, so, yeah, they were my pick to win this year. Now I, I didn't, I didn't set out to pick them as the winner. I always go through just game by game and see how the bracket plays out. But, you know, I, I didn't see any, any matchup there that I thought they couldn't win. So uh, yeah, hopefully they can, they can pull that off. Finally, they, Mark Fuse done a great job with that program. So it'd be nice for them to finally break through and, and win it all at least once. They're year, like, so. They're kind of like, I don't know if they're really considered a mid-major. I know people kind of crap on their conference. To me, they're, mm. but you know, they're kind of like a huge mid, mid-major mid kind of feeling. It's kind of like, they're not really a small team, but they're not like in the quote, you know, ACC, Big Ten. Yeah, I, I think they're a legitimate elite program yeah. in college basketball. They just happen to be playing in a smaller conference, so they don't get tested during conference play, you know? But, you know, on, on the same token, They've always been very aggressive with their out-of-conference scheduling, so they test themselves early in the season against the best teams from around the country, and then, unfortunately, they just have to coast for a few months against their conference. But uh, I think they're locked in this year, and hopefully they'll uh, they'll pull it off. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at CBJ Cannon, on Facebook at JacketsCannon.com. We'll see you at the Blue Jackets. We'll see if we have more good news and still feel good about it next week. But uh, that's going to do it for us this week, and we'll see you all next week. Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to JacketsCanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at CBJ Cannon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howling Moons. Check out AngelaPearlie.com for more music and show dates.